On Modesty, Part 1, by Tertullian. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Modesty, the flower of manners, the honour of our bodies, the grace of the sexes, the integrity of the blood, the guarantee of our race, the basis of sanctity, the pre-indication of every good disposition, rare though it is, and not easily perfected, and scarce ever retained in perpetuity, will yet up to a certain point linger in the world if nature shall have laid the preliminary groundwork of it, discipline persuaded to it, sensorial rigour curbed its excesses, on the hypothesis, that is, that every mental good quality is the result either of birth, or else of training, or else of external compulsion. But as the conquering power of things evil is on the increase, which is the characteristic of the last times, things good are now not allowed either to be born, so corrupted are the seminal principles, or to be trained, so deserted are studies, nor to be enforced, so disarmed are the laws. In fact, the modesty of which we are now beginning to treat is by this time grown so obsolete that it is not the abjuration but the moderation of the appetites which modesty is believed to be and he is held to be chaste enough who has not been too chaste but let the world's modesty see to itself together with the world itself together with its inherent nature if it was wont to originate in birth its study if in training its servitude if in compulsion except that it had been even more unhappy if it had remained only to prove fruitless in that it had not been in god's household that its activities had been exercised i should prefer no good to a vain good what profits it that that should exist whose existence profits not it is our own good things whose position is now sinking it is the system of christian modesty which is being shaken to its foundations christian modesty which derives its all from heaven its nature through the laver of regeneration its discipline through the instrumentality of preaching its sensorial rigour through the judgments which each testament exhibits and is subject to a more constant external compulsion arising from the apprehension or the desire of the eternal fire or kingdom in opposition to this modesty could i not have acted the dissembler i hear that there has even been an edict set forth and a peremptory one too the pontifex maximus that is the bishop of bishops issues an edict i remit to such as have discharged the requirements of repentance the sins both of adultery and of fornication o edict on which cannot be inscribed good deed and where shall this liberality be posted up on the very spot, I suppose, on the very gates of the sensual appetites, beneath the very titles of the sensual appetites. There is the place for promulgating such repentance, where the delinquency itself shall haunt. There is the place to read the pardon, where entrance shall be made under the hope thereof. But it is in the church that this edict is read, and in the church that it is pronounced and the church is a virgin far far from christ's betrothed be such a proclamation 
she the true the modest the saintly shall be free from stain even of her ears she has none to whom to make such a promise and if she have had she does not make it since even the earthly temple of god can sooner have been called by the lord a den of robbers than of adulterers and fornicators this too therefore shall be a count in my indictment against the psychics against the fellowship of sentiment also which i myself formerly maintained with them in order that they may the more cast this in my teeth for a mark of fickleness repudiation of fellowship is never a pre-indication of sin as if it were not easier to err with the majority when it is in the company of the few that truth is loved but however a profitable fickleness shall no more be a disgrace to me than i should wish a hurtful one to be an ornament i blush not at an error which i have ceased to hold because i am delighted at having ceased to hold it because i recognize myself to be better and more modest no one blushes at his own improvement even in christ knowledge had its stages of growth through which stages the apostle too passed when i was a child he says as a child i spake as a child i understood but when i became a man those things which had been the child's i abandoned so truly did he turn away from his early opinions nor did he sin by becoming an emulator not of ancestral but of christian traditions wishing even the precision of them who advised the retention of circumcision and would that the same fate might befall those too who obtruncate the pure and true integrity of the flesh amputating not the extremest superfices but the inmost image of modesty itself while they promise pardon to adulterers and fornicators in the teeth of the primary discipline of the christian name a discipline to which heathendom itself bears such emphatic witness that it strives to punish that discipline in the persons of our females rather by defilements of the flesh than tortures wishing to wrest from them that which they hold dearer than life but now this glory is being extinguished and that by means of those who ought with all the more constancy to refuse concession on any pardon to defilements of this kind that they make the fear of succumbing to adultery and fornication their reason for marrying as often as they please since better it is to marry than to burn no doubt it is for continence sake that incontinence is necessary the burning will be extinguished by fires why, then, do they withal grant indulgence under the name of repentance to crimes for which they furnish remedies by their law of multinuptialism? For remedies will be idle while crimes are indulged, and crimes will remain if remedies are idle. And so, either way, they trifle with solicitude and negligence by taking emptiest precaution against crimes to which they grant quarter, and granting absurdest quarter to crimes against which they take precaution, whereas either precaution is not to be taken where quarter is given, or quarter not given where precaution is taken, for they take precaution as if they were unwilling that something should be committed, but grant indulgence as if they were willing it should be committed, whereas if they be unwilling it should be committed, they ought not to grant indulgence. If they be willing to grant indulgence, they ought not to take precaution." for again adultery and fornication will not be ranked at the same time among the moderate and among the greatest sins so that each course may be equally open with regard to them the solicitude which takes precaution and the security which grants indulgence but since they are such as to hold the culminating place among crimes 
there is no room at once for their indulgence as if they were moderate and for their precaution as if they were greatest but by us precaution is thus also taken against the greatest or if you will highest crimes viz in that it is not permitted after believing to know even a second marriage differentiated though it be to be sure from the work of adultery and fornication by the nuptial and dotal tablets and accordingly with the utmost strictness we excommunicate digamists as bringing infamy upon the paraclete by the irregularity of their discipline the self-same liminal limit we fix for adulterers also and fornicators dooming them to pour forth tears barren of peace and to regain from the church no ampler return than the publication of their disgrace but say they god is good and most good and pitiful-hearted and a pitier and abundant in pitiful-heartedness which he holds dearer than all sacrifice not thinking the sinner's death of so much worth as his repentance a saviour of all men most of all of believers and so it will be becoming for the sons of god too to be pitiful-hearted and peacemakers giving in their turn just as christ withal hath given to us not judging that we be not judged for to his own lord a man standeth or falleth who art thou to judge another's servant remit and remission shall be made to thee such and so great futilities of theirs wherewith they flatter god and pander to themselves effeminating rather than invigorating discipline with how cogent and contrary arguments are we for our part able to rebut arguments which set before us warningly the severity of god and provoke our own constancy because albeit god is by nature good still he is just too for from the nature of the case just as he knows how to heal so does he withal know how to smite making peace but withal creating evils preferring repentance but withal commanding jeremiah not to pray for the aversion of ills on behalf of the sinful people since if they shall have fasted saith he i will not listen to their entreaty and again pray not thou unto me on behalf of the people and request not on their behalf in prayer and supplication since i will not listen to them in the time wherein they shall have invoked me in the time of their affliction and further above the same preferrer of mercy above the sacrifice says and pray not thou unto me on behalf of this people and request not that they may obtain mercy and approach not on their behalf unto me since i will not listen to them of course when they sue for mercy when out of repentance they weep and fast and when they offer their self-affliction to god for god is jealous and is one who is not contemptuously derided derided namely by such as flatter his goodness and who albeit patient yet threatens through isaiah an end of his patience i have held my peace shall i withal always hold my peace and endure i have been quiet as a woman in birth throes i will arise and will make them to grow arid for a fire shall proceed before his face and shall utterly burn his enemies striking down not the body only but the souls too in hell besides the lord himself demonstrates the manner in which he threatens such as judge for with what judgment ye judge judgment shall be given on you thus he has not prohibited judging but taught how to do it whence the apostle with all judges 
and that in a case of fornication that such a man must be surrendered to satan for the destruction of the flesh chiding them likewise because brethren were not judged at the bar of the saints for he goes on and says to what purpose is it for me to judge those who are without but you remit in order that remission may be granted you by god the sins which are thus cleansed are such as a man may have committed against his brother not against god we profess in short in our prayer that we will grant remission to our debtors but it is not becoming to distend further on the ground of the authority of such scriptures the cable of contention with alternate pull in diverse directions so that one scripture may seem to draw tight another to relax the reins of discipline in uncertainty as it were and the latter to debase the remedial aid of repentance through lenity the former to refuse it through austerity further the authority of scripture will stand within its own limits without reciprocal opposition the remedial aid of repentance is determined by its own conditions without unlimited concession and the causes of it themselves are anteriorly distinguished without confusion in the proposition we agree that the causes of repentance are sins these we divide into two issues some will be remissible some irremissible in accordance wherewith it will be doubtful to no one that some deserve chastisement some condemnation every sin is dischargeable either by pardon or else by penalty by pardon as the result of chastisement by penalty as the result of condemnation touching this difference we have not only already premised certain antithetical passages of the scriptures on one hand retaining on the other remitting sins but john too will teach us if any knoweth his brother to be sinning a sin not unto death he shall request and life shall be given to him because he is not sinning unto death this will be remissible there is a sin unto death not for this do i say that any is to request this will be irremissible so where there is the efficacious power of making request there likewise is that of remission where there is no efficacious power of making request there equally is none of remission either according to this difference of sins the condition of repentance also is discriminated there will be a condition which may possibly obtain pardon in the case namely of a remissible sin there will be a condition which can by no means obtain it in the case namely of an irremissible sin and it remains to examine specially with regard to the position of adultery and fornication to which class of sins they ought to be assigned but before doing this i will make short work with an answer which meets us from the opposite side in reference to that species of repentance which we are just defining as being without pardon why if say they there is repentance which lacks pardon it immediately follows that such repentance must withal be wholly unpractised by you for nothing is to be done in vain now repentance will be practised in vain if it is without pardon but all repentance is to be practised therefore let us allow that all obtains pardon that it may not be practised in vain because it will not be to be practised if it be practised in vain now in vain it is practised if it shall lack pardon justly then do they allege this argument against us since they have usurpingly kept in their own power the fruit of this as of other repentance that is pardon for so far as they are concerned at whose hands repentance obtains man's peace it is vain 
As regards us, however, who remember that the Lord alone concedes the pardon of sins, and of course of mortal ones, it will not be practised in vain. For the repentance being referred back to the Lord, and thenceforward lying prostrate before him, will by this very fact the rather avail to win pardon, that it gains it by entreaty from God alone, that it believes not that man's peace is adequate to its guilt, that, as far as regards the church, it prefers the blush of shame to the privilege of communion. For before her doors it stands, and by the example of its own stigma admonishes all others, and calls at the same time to its own aid the brethren's tears, and returns with an even richer merchandise, their compassion, namely, than their communion. And if it reaps not the harvest of peace here, yet it sows the seed of it with the Lord, nor does it lose, but prepares its fruit. It will not fail of emolument, if it do not fail in duty. Thus neither is such repentance vain, nor such discipline harsh, both on a God. The former, by laying no flattering unction to itself, will more readily win success. The latter, by assuming nothing to itself, will more fully aid having defined the distinction between the kinds of repentance we are by this time then able to return to the assessment of the sins whether they be such as can obtain pardon at the hand of men in the first case as for the fact that we call adultery likewise fornication usage requires us so to do faith withal has a familiar acquaintance with sundry appellations so in every one of our little works we carefully guard usage Besides, if I shall say, adulterium, and if stuprum, the indictment of contamination of the flesh, will be one and the same. For it makes no difference whether a man assaults another's bride or widow, provided it be not his own female, just as there is no difference made by places, whether it be in chambers or in towers that modesty is massacred. Every homicide, even outside a wood, is banditry. So, too, whoever enjoys any other than nuptial intercourse, in whatever place, and in the person of whatever woman, makes himself guilty of adultery and fornication. Accordingly, among us, secret connections as well, connections that is not first professed in presence of the church, run risk of being judged akin to adultery and fornication. Nor must we let them, if thereafter woven together by the covering of marriage, elude the charge." but all the other frenzies of passions impious both toward the bodies and towards the sexes beyond the laws of nature we banish not only from the threshold but from all shelter of the church because they are not sins but monstrosities of how deep guilt then adultery which is likewise a matter of fornication in accordance with its criminal function is to be accounted the law of god first comes to hand to show us if it is true as it is that after interdicting the superstitious service of alien gods and the making of idols themselves after commending to religious observance the veneration of the sabbath after commanding a religious regard toward parents second only to that toward god that law laid as the next substratum in strengthening and fortifying such counts no other precept than thou shalt not commit adultery for after spiritual chastity and sanctity followed corporeal integrity and this the law accordingly fortified by immediately prohibiting its foe adultery 
understand consequently what kind of sin that must be, the repression of which the law ordained next to that of idolatry. Nothing that is a second is remote from the first, nothing is so close to the first as the second. That which results from the first is, in a sense, another first. And so adultery is bordering on idolatry, for idolatry withal, often cast as a reproach upon the people under the name of adultery and fornication, will be alike conjoined therewith in fate as in following, will be alike co-heir therewith in condemnation as in coordination. Yet further, premising, thou shalt not commit adultery, the law adjoins, thou shalt not kill. It honoured adultery, of course, to which it gives the precedence over murder, in the very forefront of the most holy law, among the primary counts of the celestial edict, marking it with the inscription of the very principal sins. From its place you may discern the measure, from its rank the station, from its neighbourhood the merit of each thing. Even evil has a dignity consisting in being stationed at the summit, or else in the centre, of the superlatively bad. I behold a certain pomp and circumstance of adultery. On the one side, idolatry goes before and leads the way. On the other, murder follows in company. Worthily, without doubt, has she taken her seat between the two most conspicuous eminences of misdeeds, and has completely filled the vacant space, as it were, in their midst with an equal majesty of crime. Enclosed by such flanks, encircled and supported by such ribs, who shall dislocate her from the corporate mass of coherencies, from the bond of neighbour crimes, from the embrace of kindred wickednesses, so as to set apart her alone for the enjoyment of repentance? Will not, on one side, idolatry, on the other, murder, detain her, and, if they have any voice, reclaim, this is our wedge, this our compacting power. By the standard of idolatry we are measured, by her disjunctive intervention we are conjoined, to her, outjutting from our midst, we are united. The divine scripture has made us concorporate, the very letters are our glue, herself can no longer exist without us. Many and many a time do I, idolatry, subminister occasion to adultery, witness my groves and my mounts, and the living waters, and the very temples in cities, what mighty agents we are for overthrowing modesty. I also, murder, sometimes exert myself on behalf of adultery, to omit tragedies, witness nowadays the poisoners, witness the magicians, how many seductions I avenge, how many rivalries I revenge, how many guards, how many informers, how many accomplices I make away with. Witness the midwives likewise, how many adulterous conceptions are slaughtered. Even among Christians there is no adultery without us. Wherever the business of the unclean spirit is, there are idolatries. Wherever a man, by being polluted, is slain, there too is murder. Therefore the remedial aids of repentance will not be suitable to them, or else they will likewise be to us. We either detain adultery, or else follow her. These words, the sins themselves do speak, if the sins are deficient in speech, hard by the door of the church stands an idolater, hard by stands a murderer, in their midst stands too an adulterer. Alike as the duty of repentance bids, they sit in sackcloth and bristle in ashes, with the self-same weeping they groan, with the self-same prayers they make their circuits, with the self-same knees they supplicate, the self-same mother they invoke. 
what doest thou gentlest and humanest discipline either to all these will it be thy duty so to be for blessed are the peacemakers or else if not to all it will be thy duty to range thyself on our side dost thou once for all condemn the idolater and the murderer but take the adulterer out from their midst the adulterer the successor of the idolater the predecessor of the murderer the colleague of each it is an accepting of person the more pitiable repentances thou hast left unpitied behind plainly if you show by what patronages of heavenly precedents and precepts it is that you open to adultery alone and therein to fornication also the gate of repentance at this very line our hostile encounter will forthwith cross swords yet i must necessarily prescribe you a law not to stretch out your hand after the old things not to look backwards for the old things are passed away according to isaiah and a renewing hath been renewed according to jeremiah and forgetful of former things we are reaching forward according to the apostle and the law and the prophets were until john according to the lord for even if we are just now beginning with the law in demonstrating the nature of adultery it is justly with that phase of the law which christ has not dissolved but fulfilled for it is the burdens of the law which were until john not the remedial virtues it is the yokes of works that have been rejected not those of disciplines liberty in christ has done no injury to innocence the law of piety sanctity humanity truth chastity justice mercy benevolence modesty remains in its entirety in which law blessed is the man who shall meditate by day and by night about that law the same david says again the law of the lord is unblameable converting souls the statutes of the lord are direct delighting hearts the precepts of the lord far shining enlightening eyes thus to the apostle and so the law indeed is holy and the precept holy and most good thou shalt not commit adultery of course but he had withal said above are we then making void the law through faith far be it but we are establishing the law forsooth in those points which being even now interdicted by the new testament are prohibited by an even more emphatic precept instead of thou shalt not commit adultery whoever shall have seen with a view to concupiscence hath already committed adultery in his own heart and instead of thou shalt not kill whoever shall have said to his brother raka shall be in danger of hell ask yourself whether the law of not committing adultery be still in force to which has been added that of not indulging concupiscence besides if any precedents taken from the old dispensation shall favour you in the secrecy of your bosom they shall not be set in opposition to this discipline which we are maintaining for it is in vain that an additional law has been reared condemning the origin even of sins that is concupiscences and wills no less than the actual deeds if the fact that pardon was of old in some cases conceded to adultery is to be a reason why it shall be conceded at the present day what will be the reward attaching to the restrictions imposed upon the more fully developed discipline of the present day except that the elder discipline may be the agent for granting indulgence to your prostitution in that case 
you will grant pardon to the idolater too and to every apostate because we find the people itself so often guilty of these crimes as often reinstated in their former privileges you will maintain communion too with the murderer because ahab by depreciation washed away the guilt of naboth's blood and david by confession purged uriah's slaughter together with its cause adultery that done you will condone incests too for lot's sake and fornications combined with incest for judah's sake and base marriages with prostitutes for hosea's sake and not only the frequent repetition of marriage but its simultaneous plurality for our father's sake for of course it is meet that there should also be a perfect equality of grace in regard of all deeds to which indulgence was in days bygone granted if on the ground of some pristine precedent pardon is claimed for adultery we too indeed have precedents in the self-same antiquity on the side of our opinion precedents of judgment not merely not waived but even summarily executed upon fornication and of course it is a sufficient one that so vast a number the number of twenty-four thousand of the people when they committed fornication with the daughters of madian fell in one plague but with an eye to the glory of christ i prefer to derive my discipline from christ grant that the pristine days may have if the psychics please even a right of indulging every immodesty grant that before christ the flesh may have disported itself nay may have perished before its lord went to seek and bring it back not yet was it worthy of the gift of salvation not yet apt for the office of sanctity it was still up to that time accounted as being in adam with its own vicious nature easily indulging concupiscence after whatever it had seemed to be attractive to the sight and looking back at the lower things and checking its itching with fig leaves universally inherent was the virus of lust the dregs which are formed out of milk contain it dregs fitted for so doing in that even the waters themselves had not yet been bathed but when the word of god descended into flesh flesh not unsealed even by marriage and the word was made flesh flesh never to be unsealed by marriage which was to find its way to the tree not of incontinence but of endurance which was to taste from that tree not anything sweet but something bitter which was to pertain not to the infernal regions but to heaven which was to be precinct not with the leaves of lovishness but the flowers of holiness which was to impart to the waters its own purities thenceforth whatever flesh is in christ has lost its pristine soils is now a thing different emerges in a new state no longer generated of the slime of natural seed nor of the grime of concupiscence but of pure water and a clean spirit and accordingly why excuse it on the ground of pristine precedent it did not bear the names of body of christ of members of christ of temple of god at the time when it used to obtain pardon for adultery and thus if from the moment when it changed its condition and having been baptized into christ put on christ and was redeemed with a great price the blood to wit of the lord and lamb you take hold of any one precedent be it precept or law or sentence of indulgence granted or to be granted to adultery and fornication you have likewise at our hands a definition of the time from which the age of the question dates you shall have leave to begin with the parables where you have the lost you resought by the lord and carried back on his shoulders let the very paintings upon your cups come forward to show whether even in them the figurative meaning of that sheep will shine through 
the outward semblance to teach whether a christian or heathen sinner be the object it aims at in the matter of restoration for we put in a demurra arising out of the teaching of nature out of the law of ear and tongue out of the soundness of the mental faculty to the effect that such answers are always given as are called forth by the question answers that is to the questions which call them forth that which was calling forth an answer in the present case was i take it the fact that the pharisees were muttering in indignation at the lord's admitting to his society heathen publicans and sinners and communicating with them in food when in reply to this the lord had figured the restoration of the lost you to whom else is it credible that he configured it but to the lost heathen about whom the question was then in hand not about a christian who up to that time had no existence else what kind of hypothesis is it that the lord like a quibbler in answering omitting the present subject matter which it was his duty to refute should spend his labour upon one yet future but a sheep properly means a christian and the lord's flock is the people of the church and the good shepherd is christ and hence in the sheep we must understand a christian who has erred from the church's flock in that case you make the lord to have given no answer to the pharisees muttering but to your presumption and yet you will be bound so to defend that presumption as to deny that the points which you think applicable to christians are referable to a heathen tell me is not all mankind one flock of god is not the same god both lord and shepherd of the universal nations who more perishes from god than the heathen so long as he errs who is more resought by god than the heathen when he is recalled by christ in fact it is among heathens that this order finds antecedent place if that is christians are not otherwise made out of heathens than by being first lost and resought by god and carried back by christ so likewise ought this order to be kept that we interpret any such figure with reference to those in whom it finds prior place but you i take it would wish this that he should represent the you as lost not from a flock but from an ark or a chest in like manner albeit he calls the remaining number of the heathens righteous it does not follow that he shows them to be christians dealing as he is with the jews and at that very moment refuting them because they were indignant at the hope of the heathens but in order to express in opposition to the pharisees envy his own grace and good will even in regard of one heathen he preferred the salvation of one sinner by repentance to theirs by righteousness or else pray were the jews not righteous and such as had no need of repentance having as they had as pilotages of discipline and instruments of fear the law and the prophets he set them therefore in the parable and if not such as they were yet such as they ought to have been that they might blush the more when they heard that repentance was necessary to others and not to themselves similarly the parable of the drachma as being called forth out of the same subject matter we equally interpret with reference to a heathen albeit it had been lost in a house as it were in the church albeit found by the aid of a lamp as it were by aid of god's word nay but this whole world is the one house of all in which world it is the more the heathen who is found in darkness whom the grace of god enlightens than the christian who is already in god's light finally it is one straying which is ascribed to the you and the drachma and this is an evidence in my favour for if the parables had been composed with a view to a christian sinner after the loss of his faith a second loss and restoration of them 
would have been noted. I will now withdraw for a short time from this position, in order that I may, even by withdrawing, the more recommend it, when I shall have succeeded even thus also in confuting the presumption of the opposite side. I admit that the sinner portrayed in each parable is one who is already a Christian, yet not that on this account must he be affirmed to be such an one as can be restored through repentance from the crime of adultery and fornication. For although he be said to have perished, there will be the kind of perdition to treat of, inasmuch as the ewe perished not by dying, but by straying, and the drachma not by being destroyed, but by being hidden. In this sense a thing which is safe may be said to have perished, therefore the believer too perishes by lapsing out of the right path, into a public exhibition of charioteering frenzy, or gladiatorial gore, or scenic foulness, or athletic vanity, or else if he has lent the aid of any special arts of curiosity to sports, to the convivialities of heathen solemnity, to official exigence, to the ministry of another's idolatry, if he has impaled himself upon some word of ambiguous denial, or else of blasphemy. For some such cause he has been driven outside the flock, or even himself, perhaps, by anger, by pride, by jealousy, or, as in fact often happens, by disdaining to submit to chastisement, has broken away from it. He ought to be re-sought and recalled. That which can be recovered does not perish unless it persists in remaining outside. You will well interpret the parable by recalling the sinner while he is still living. But for the adulterer and fornicator, who is there who has not pronounced him to be dead immediately upon commission of the crime? With what face will you restore to the flock one who is dead, on the authority of that parable which recalls a sheep not dead? Finally, if you are mindful of the prophets when they are chiding the shepherds, there is a word, I think it is Ezekiel's, shepherds, behold, ye devour the milk, and clothe you with the fleeces. What is strong ye have slain, what is weak ye have not tended, what is shattered ye have not bound, what has been driven out ye have not brought back, what has perished ye have not resought. Pray, does he withal upbraid them at all concerning that which is dead, that they have taken no care to restore that to the flock? Plainly, he makes it an additional reproach that they have caused the sheep to perish, and to be eaten up by the beasts of the field, nor can they either perish mortally or be eaten up if they are left remaining. Is it not possible, granting that ewes which have been mortally lost and eaten up are recovered, that in accordance also with the example of the drachma, lost and found again even within the house of God, the church, there may be some sins of a moderate character, proportionable to the small size and the weight of a drachma, which, lurking in the same church, and by and by in the same discovered, forthwith are brought to an end in the same with the joy of amendment. But of adultery and fornication is not a drachma, but a talent which is the measure, and for searching them out there is need not of the javelin light of a lamp, but of the spear-like ray of the entire sun." No sooner has such a man made his appearance than he is expelled from the church, nor does he remain there, nor does he cause joy to the church which discovers him but grief, nor does he invite the congratulations of her neighbours but the fellowship in sadness of the surrounding fraternities. By comparison, even in this way, of this our interpretation with theirs, the argument of both the you and the drachma will all the more refer to the heathen, that they cannot possibly apply to the Christian guilty of the sin for the sake of which they are wrested into a forced application to the Christian on the opposite side. 
but however the majority of interpreters of the parables are deceived by the self-same result as is of very frequent occurrence in the case of embroidering garments with purple when you think that you have judiciously harmonized the proportions of the hues and believe yourself to have succeeded in skilfully giving vividness to their mutual combination presently when each body of colour and the various lights are fully developed the convicted diversity will expose all the error in the selfsame darkness accordingly with regard to the parable of the two sons also they are led by some figures occurring in it which harmonize in hue with the present state of things to wander out of the path of the true light of that comparison which the subject matter of the parable presents for they set down as represented in the two sons two peoples the elder the jewish the younger the christian for they cannot in the sequel arrange for the christian sinner in the person of the younger son to obtain pardon unless in the person of the elder they first portray the jewish now if i shall succeed in showing that the jewish fails to suit the comparison of the elder son the consequence of course will be that the christian will not be admissible as represented by the joint figure of the younger son for although the jew withal be called a son and an elder one inasmuch as he had priority in adoption although too he envy the christian the reconciliation of god the father a point which the opposite side most eagerly catches at still it will be no speech of a jew to the father behold in how many years do i serve thee and thy precept have i never transgressed for when has the jew not been a transgressor of the law hearing with the ear and not hearing holding in hatred him who reproveth in the gates and in scorn holy speech so too it will be no speech of the father to the jew thou art always with me and all mine are thine for the jews are pronounced apostate sons begotten indeed and raised on high but who have not understood the lord and who have quite forsaken the lord and have provoked unto anger the holy one of israel that all things plainly were conceded to the jew we shall admit but he has likewise had every more savoury morsel torn from his throat not to say the very land of paternal promise and accordingly the jew at the present day no less than the younger son having squandered god's substance is a beggar in alien territory serving even until now its princes that is the princes of this world seek therefore the christians some other as their brother for the jew the parable does not admit much more aptly would they have matched the christian with the elder and the jew with the younger son according to the analogy of faith if the order of each people as intimated from rebecca's womb permitted the inversion only that in that case the concluding paragraph would oppose them for it will be fitting for the christian to rejoice and not to grieve at the restoration of israel if it be true as it is that the whole of our hope is intimately united with the remaining expectation of israel thus even if some features in the parable are favourable yet by others of a contrary significance the thorough carrying out of this comparison is destroyed although albeit all points be capable of corresponding with mirror-like accuracy there be one cardinal danger in interpretations the danger lest the felicity of our comparisons be tempered with a different aim from that which the subject matter of each particular parable has bidden us temperate for we remember to have seen actors withal while accommodating allegorical gestures to their ditties giving expression to such as are far different from the immediate plot and scene and character and yet with the utmost congruity but away with extraordinary ingenuity for it has nothing to do with our subject thus heretics too apply the self-same parables where they list and exclude them in other cases not where they ought with the utmost aptitude why the utmost aptitude 
because from the very beginning they have moulded together the subject matters of their doctrines in accordance with the opportune incidences of the parables loosed as they are from the constraints of the rule of truth they have had leisure of course to search into and put together these things of which the parables seem to be symbolical we however who do not make the parables the sources whence we derive our subject matters but the subject matters the sources whence we interpret the parables do not labour hard either to twist all things into shape in the exposition while we take care to avoid all contradictions why a hundred sheep and why to be sure ten drachmas and what is that besom necessary it was that he who was desiring to express the extreme pleasure which the salvation of one sinner gives to god should name some special quantity on a numerical whole from which to describe that one had perished necessary it was that the style of one engaged in searching for a drachma in a house should be aptly fitted with the helpful accompaniment of a besom as well as of a lamp for curious niceties of this kind not only render some things suspected but by the subtlety of forced explanations generally lead away from the truth there are moreover some points which are just simply introduced with a view to the structure and disposition and texture of the parable in order that they may be worked up throughout to the end for which the typical example is being provided now of course the parable of the two sons will point to the same end as those of the drachma and the ewe for it has the selfsame cause to call it forth as those to which it coheres and the selfsame muttering of course of the pharisees at the intercourse between the lord and heathens or else if any doubts that in the land of judea subjugated as it had been long since by the hand of pompey and lucullus the publicans were heathens let him read deuteronomy there shall be no tribute wear of the sons of israel nor would the name of publicans have been so execrable in the eyes of the lord unless as being a strange name a name of such as put up the pathways of the very sky and earth and sea for sale moreover when the writer adjoins sinners to publicans it does not follow that he shows them to have been jews albeit some may possibly have been so but by placing on a par the one genus of heathens some sinners by office that is publicans some by nature that is not publicans he has drawn a distinction between them besides the lord would not have been censured for partaking of food with jews but with heathens from whose board the jewish discipline excludes its disciples now we must proceed in the case of the prodigal son to consider first that which is more useful for no adjustment of examples albeit in the most nicely poised balance shall be admitted if it shall prove to be most hurtful to salvation but the whole system of salvation as it is comprised in the maintenance of discipline we see is being subverted by that interpretation which is affected by the opposite side for if it is a christian who after wandering far from his father squanders by living heathenishly the substance received from god his father the substance of course of baptism the substance of course of the holy spirit and in consequence of eternal hope if stripped of his mental goods he has even handed his service over to the prince of the world who else but the devil and by him being appointed over the business of feeding swine of tending unclean spirits to wit has recovered his senses so as to return to his father the result will be that not adulterers and fornicators but idolaters and blasphemers and renegades and every class of apostates 
will by this parable make satisfaction to the father and in this way it may rather be said that the whole substance of the sacrament is most truly wasted for who will fear to squander what he has the power of afterwards recovering who will be careful to preserve to perpetuity what he will be able to lose not to perpetuity security in sin is likewise an appetite for it therefore the apostate withal will recover his former garment the robe of the holy spirit and a renewal of the ring the sign and seal of baptism and christ will again be slaughtered and he will recline on that couch from which such as are unworthily clad are wont to be lifted by the torturers and cast away into darkness much more such as have been stripped it is therefore a further step if it is not expedient any more than reasonable that the story of the prodigal son should apply to a christian wherefore if the image of a son is not entirely suitable to a jew either our interpretation shall be simply governed with an eye to the object the lord had in view the lord had come of course to save that which had perished a physician necessary to the sick more than to the whole this fact he was in the habit both of typifying in parables and preaching in direct statements who among men perishes who falls from health but he who knows not the lord who is safe and sound but he who knows the lord these two classes brothers by birth this parable also will signify see whether the heathen have in god the father the substance of origin and wisdom and natural power of godward recognition by means of which power the apostle withal notes that in the wisdom of god the world through wisdom knew not god wisdom which of course it had received originally from god this substance accordingly he squandered having been cast by his moral habits far from the lord amid the errors and allurements and appetites of the world where compelled by hunger after truth he handed himself over to the prince of this age he set him over swine to feed that flock familiar to demons where he would not have master of a supply of vital food and at the same time would see others engaged in a divine work having abundance of heavenly bread he remembers his father god he returns to him when he has been satisfied he receives again the pristine garment the condition to wit which adam by transgression had lost the ring also he is then wont to receive for the first time wherewith after being interrogated he publicly seals the agreement of faith and thus thenceforth feeds upon the fatness of the lord's body the eucharist to it this will be the prodigal son who never in days bygone was thrifty who was from the first prodigal because not from the first a christian him withal returning from the world to the father's embraces the pharisees mourned over in the persons of the publicans and sinners and accordingly to this point alone the elder brother's envy is adapted not because the jews were innocent and obedient to god but because they envied the nation's salvation being plainly they who ought to have been ever with the father and of course it is immediately over the first calling of the christian that the jew groans not over his second restoration for the former reflects its rays even upon the heathen but the latter which takes place in the churches is not known even to the jews i think that i have advanced interpretations more consonant with the subject matter of the parables and the congruity of things and the preservation of disciplines but if the view with which the opposite party is eager to mould the you and the drachma and the voluptuousness of the sun to the shape of the christian sinner is that they may endow adultery and fornication with the gift of repentance it will be fitting either that all other crimes equally capital should be conceded remissible 
or else that their peers, adultery and fornication, should be retained inconcessible. But it is more to the point that it is not lawful to draw conclusions about anything else than the subject which was immediately in hand. In short, if it were lawful to transfer the parables to other ends than they were originally intended for, it would be rather to martyrdom that we would direct the hope drawn from those now in question, for that is the only thing which, after all his substance has been squandered, will be able to restore the sun and will joyfully proclaim that the drachma has been found, albeit among all rubbish on a dung-heap, and will carry back into the flock, on the shoulders of the Lord himself, the ewe, fugitive though she have been, over all that is rough and rugged. But we prefer, if it must be so, to be less wise in the scriptures than to be wise against them. We are as much bound to keep the sense of the Lord as his precept. Transgression in interpretation is not lighter than in conversation. When, therefore, the yoke which forbade the discussion of these parables with a view to the heathens has been shaken off, and the necessity once for all discerned or admitted of not interpreting otherwise than is suitable to the subject matter of the proposition, they contend in the next place that the official proclamation of repentance is not even applicable to heathens since their sins are not amenable to it imputable as they are to ignorance which nature alone renders culpable before god hence the remedies are unintelligible to such to whom the perils themselves are unintelligible whereas the principle of repentance finds there its corresponding place where sin is committed with conscience and will where both the fault and the favour are intelligible that he who mourns he who prostrates himself is he who knows both what he has lost and what he will recover if he makes to god the offering of his repentance to god who of course offers that repentance rather to sons than to strangers was that then the reason why Jonah thought not repentance necessary to the heathen Ninevites, when he tergiversated in the duty of preaching, or did he rather, foreseeing the mercy of God, poured forth even upon strangers, fear that the mercy would, as it were, destroy the credit of his proclamation, and accordingly for the sake of a profane city, not yet possessed of a knowledge of God, still sinning in ignorance, did the prophet well-nigh perish? except that he suffered a typical example of the lord's passion which was to redeem heathens as well as others on their repentance it is enough for me that even john when strewing the lord's ways was the herald of repentance no less to such as were on military service and to publicans than to the sons of abraham the lord himself presumed repentance on the part of the sidonians and tyrians if they had seen the evidences of his miracles Nay, but I will even contend that repentance is more competent to natural sinners than to voluntary. For he will merit its fruit who has not yet used more than he who has already withal abused it, and remedies will be more effective in their first application than when outworn. No doubt the Lord is kind to the unthankful rather than to the ignorant, and merciful to the reprobates, sooner than to such as have yet had no probation so that insults offered to his clemency do not rather incur his anger than his caresses, and he does not more willingly impart to strangers that clemency which, in the case of his own sons, he has lost, seeing that he has thus adopted the Gentiles while the Jews make sport of his patience. But what the psychics mean is this, that God, 
the judge of righteousness, prefers the repentance to the death of that sinner who has preferred death to repentance. If this is so, it is by sinning that we merit favour. Come, you rope-walker upon modesty and chastity, and every kind of sexual sanctity, who, by the instrumentality of a discipline of this nature, remote from the path of truth, mount with uncertain footstep upon a most slender thread, balancing flesh with spirit, moderating your animal principle by faith, tempering your eye by fear. Why are you thus wholly engaged in a single step? Go on, if you succeed in finding power and will while you are so secure." and as it were upon solid ground. For if any wavering of the flesh, any distraction of the mind, any wandering of the eye, shall chance to shake you down from your equipoise, God is good. To his own children, not to heathens, he opens his bosom. A second repentance will await you. You will again, from being an adulterer, be a Christian. These pleas you will urge to me, most benignant interpreter of God. But I would yield my ground to you if the scripture of the shepherd which is the only one which favours adulterers, had deserved to find a place in the divine canon. If it had not been habitually judged by every council of churches, even of your own, among apocryphal and false writings, itself adulterous and hence a patroness of its comrades, from which in other respects too you derive initiation, to which perchance that shepherd will play the patron whom you depict upon your sacramental chalice, depict, I say, as himself with all a prostitutor of the Christian sacrament, and hence worthily both the idol of drunkenness and the breeze of adultery by which the chalice will quickly be followed, a chalice from which you sip nothing more readily than the favour of the you of your second repentance. I, however, imbibe the scriptures of that shepherd who cannot be broken. Him John's forthwith offers me, together with the laver and duty of repentance, and offers him as saying, Bear worthy fruits of repentance, and say not, We have Abraham as our father, for fear to wit, lest they should again take flattering unctions for delinquency from the grace shown to the fathers, for God is able from these stones to raise sons to Abraham. Thus it follows that we too must judge such as sin no more, as bearing worthy fruits of repentance. For what more ripens as the fruit of repentance than the achievement of emendation? But even if pardon is rather the fruit of repentance, even pardon cannot coexist without the cessation from sin. So is the cessation from sin the root of pardon, that pardon may be the fruit of repentance. From the side of its pertinence to the gospel, the question of the parables indeed has by this time been disposed of. If, however, the Lord by his deeds withal issued any such proclamation in favour of sinners, as when he permitted contact even with his own body to the woman a sinner, washing as she did his feet with tears, and wiping them with her hair, and inaugurating his sepulchre with ointment, as when to the Samaritaness, not an adulteress by her now sixth marriage, but a prostitute, he showed what he did show readily to any one who he was. No benefit is hence conferred upon our adversaries, even if it had been to such as were already Christians that he in these several cases granted pardon. For we now affirm, this is lawful to the Lord alone. May the power of his indulgence be operative at the present day. At those times, however, 
in which he lived on earth we lay this down definitively that it is no prejudgment against us if pardon used to be conferred on sinners even jewish ones for christian discipline dates from the renewing of the testament and as we have premised from the redemption of flesh that is the lord's passion none was perfect before the discovery of the order of faith none a christian before the resumption of christ to heaven none holy before the manifestation of the holy spirit from heaven the determiner of discipline itself accordingly these who have received another paraclete in and through the apostles a paraclete whom not recognizing him even in his special prophets they no longer possess in the apostles either come now let them even from the apostolic instrument teach us the possibility that the stains of a flesh which after baptism has been repolluted can by repentance be washed away do we not in the apostles also recognize the form of the old law with regard to the demonstration of adultery how great a crime it is lest perchance it is esteemed more trivial in the new stage of disciplines than in the old when first the gospel thundered and shook the old system to its base when dispute was being held on the question of retaining or not the law this is the first rule which the apostles on the authority of the holy spirit send out to those who were already beginning to be gathered to their side out of the nations it has seemed good say they to the holy spirit and to us to cast upon you no ampler weight than that of those things from which it is necessary that abstinence be observed from sacrifices and from fornications and from blood by abstaining from which ye act rightly the holy spirit carrying you sufficient it is that in this place withal there has been preserved to adultery and fornication the post of their own honour between idolatry and murder for the interdict upon blood we shall understand to be an interdict much more upon human blood well then in what light do the apostles will those crimes to appear which alone they select in the way of careful guarding against from the pristine law which alone they prescribe as necessarily to be abstained from not that they permit others but that these alone they put in the foremost rank of course as not remissible they who for the heathen's sake made the other burdens of the law remissible why then do they release our neck from so heavy a yoke except to place forever upon those necks these compendia of discipline why do they indulgently relax so many bonds except that they may wholly bind us in perpetuity to such as are more necessary they loosed us from the more numerous that we might be bound up to abstinence from the more noxious the matter has been settled by compensation we have gained much in order that we may render somewhat but the compensation is not revocable if that is it will be revoked by iteration iteration of adultery of course and blood and idolatry for it will follow that the burden of the whole law will be incurred if the condition of pardon shall be violated but it is not likely that the holy spirit has come to an agreement with us coming to this agreement even without our asking whence he is the more to be honoured his engagement none but an ungrateful man will dissolve in that event he will neither accept back what he has discarded nor discard what he has retained of the latest testament the condition is ever immutable and of course the public recitation of that decree and the counsel embodied therein will cease only with the word he has definitely enough refused pardon to those crimes the careful avoidance whereof he selectively enjoined he has claimed whatever he has not inferentially conceded hence it is that there is no restoration of peace granted by the churches to idolatry or to blood 
from which final decision of theirs that the apostles should have departed is i think not lawful to believe or else if some find it possible to believe so they will be bound to prove it end of on modesty part one by tertullian